getting better at golf isn't just an hour lesson once a week. That doesn't do shit. You got to have a way to track. And I mean, any business, right? You've got to, you keep your financials and you have your spreadsheets and golf. I, I don't know why it would be any different. And we're back with another park train. Uh, my name is Evan Singer. We got Matt Cermak here. What's going on, my man? What's up, Ev? We're back. We're always I think back. You're, this happens, you know, late. This has been happening a lot lately, but I think we're fired up after the interview we just had. I agree. Guys, first of all, welcome aboard. If you're new to the par train, when you're on the par train, golf, the hardest game in the world, feels easy. Our mission is to understand why that is so we can play better golf more often. And another thing I realized, Serm, is we put so much into this game, a lot of time, a lot of money, and yet... We wait all week, sometimes months like you for warm weather. And then you get out there and you're miserable. What, why are we putting ourselves through this? I think the, the new mission of this show, I've been thinking about it, Serm, is it's just helping people enjoy the ride again, right? Yeah. We interview anyone from PJ Tour pros, coaches, CEOs, best-selling authors, and more um, to give you guys the tools to keep chugging and obviously to enjoy the ride. So Jake is definitely included in that. I think you're going to get a yeah. lot from it today. But before we get to that, quick word from our friends at Roback. Uh, Matt, breaking news. I got my yes. hands on the new performance hoodies. They just released new colors. Um, new, it's totally rebuilt. They got the little logo on the top shoulder, very subtle. It's so stretchy. It fits perfectly. It makes you look jacked, by the way. And Whoa. honestly, it's the first thing you want to wear out, out of the wash. You can wear it on the course. You can wear it off the course on Zooms around the house. I don't think I've ever worn a hoodie like this. Yeah. No, I know you've been focusing less on the weights, more on the Pilates, getting a little scrawny. So glad, <laughs> you know, this is bringing you back. No, these hoodies, I mean, the weight, the weight is over, which is great for you. They look good. They feel good. I was going to say the hoodies have been out of stock for a lot, a while uh, they've restocked them. They sell out quick. So make sure you get in there. The link is in our show notes. Click on that link. You'll get 15% off your first rowback order. No need to enter a code. It'll auto apply in your cart. And if for whatever reason you forget where the link is, it's always linked in our social accounts at the par train on Instagram and Twitter, et cetera. So make sure you're giving us a follow there. So you don't miss out on all of these giveaways and conversations we're having with you guys. We love it. So Sir, I think you were about to talk about a vest. Was that right? Yeah, it's 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 master season. It's Augusta season. I got the green vest, you know, green jacket, the green vest from Robeck <laughs> on the way. Got a few masters parties. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see all the sales rolling in. People are really starting to take advantage of the deal. 15% is as good as really they ever offer. They yeah. normally offer 10% off for your first order. So we're giving you guys a better deal. Make sure you hit that link. Click. Okay. Jake Hut Golf is one of my favorite teaching instructor follows on Instagram. Um, he makes it so entertaining. He actually adds music. Um, he makes it almost like a song. They're really like 10, 15 second videos, but they're like game changing type thoughts and feels. And to me, Serm, you know, we were kind of joking off air. We've had so many great instructors on the show. I think my mm -hmm. game is actually gotten worse because my head I've become more informed and therefore more analytical and thinking about more stuff. And right. I think Jake was really refreshing because Jake's about simplifying. Jake's about yeah. 
understanding what you do and doing what gives you the best chance to play golf and have fun. Talk about enjoy the ride. Like you don't necessarily need to rebuild everything. No. Right. And no. I think that was refreshing you, to hear. You don't. Well, we talked to, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of times we talk about club face awareness. He yeah. really, he gave one of the best answers I've heard on understanding club face awareness. You know, Jake talks a lot about too, like he doesn't, he's not, he's not a teacher that you have to stick to this one system and just <laughs> suffer and rebuild your swing. I think Ev, you've been a victim to that a little bit. Yeah. What is the right swing? He goes, I don't know. Everybody's different. Yeah. Right. And then he's got this great program called the game forge system. That he talks about, and this is a de devising strategies to shoot, to really shoot lower scores around course management, dissecting the player. What one or two things you need to, that are non-negotiable you have to do when you get to the course to make less double bogeys, guys. Yeah. Because that's not riding the park. <laughs> it's ruining life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure double Sir Mac in the interview <laughs> says double bogeys ends lives, which was a little intense, but you're not wrong. Well, I've seen some things out there and I've felt some things out there. So, <laughs> and Jake, Jake's super cool. And look, he's redefining the online teaching game, right? Yeah. And he really is doing a great job marketing himself. Super yeah. funny guy, super cool. If Love you like George Gankus's stuff, he's a hockey guy. Yeah. So. If you like George Gankus's stuff, you'll you'll love Jake even more. Um, so all right. Well, thank you guys as always for tuning in. Definitely listen to the end. We talk about some great things in the 45 minute mark. So definitely stay to the end. And um, guys, we just wanted to thank you for always tuning in. It means a lot to us. Um, yeah. we love doing this. So definitely if you're not subscribed give us, us a subscribe, not just because we want your subscribe, but because then you'll never miss out on new episodes. And maybe, you know, we love the reviews, by the way. Love to see those come in. Write a review about Evan's game, you know, and what Roast direction my he needs game. to go with teaching, you know, teaching philosophies. Guys, on the Instagram, I'll throw my swing on the stories. Roast my swing in the reviews. This, this was a light bulb episode for Evan. We, he, he is... He's going the right direction, but he needs support. We need to keep him on track, guys. Yeah, keep me on, on track. Apple. Hold me accountable. All right, guys. Well, if you we take nothing else, what's one thing they got to make sure to remember, no matter how they're hitting it? Enjoy the ride. All right, guys. Take care. See ya. Jake, I, I've been thinking a lot about how I wanted to start today, and I think we got to start with music. What music artist makes you play? at your best. If you're going on a round, you want to go low that day. What artists are you turning on? I'm a big Tom Mish guy, personally. I just love his shit. Whether I don't know if that would make you play better or not. Um, I mean, there's that's what I'm definitely jamming out to. Um, you know, lots of hip hop stuff too. I mean, you know, it depends on the person. There is some interesting research on uh, like way, sound waves and the uh, essentially the this is going to be a terrible way to explain it, but like the kind of the pitch of the wave, it can be really like high pitch, like a dog whistle, or it can be really like low, um, like rumbling bass, like, mm -hmm. uh, and there's kind of this, this frequency that the brain just likes and it like puts you in this, you know, a different state, so to speak, a more relaxed, calm state. Um, I got to find out what the hell the, um, what that is. I'll look it up and like, we'll maybe circle back to it, but I guess that would be the optimal. I actually, I did a video with, uh, it was, tiger's routine so like I, I i did kind of a voiceover and then i repeated it for like you know an hour so you could just put on the headphones and then behind it i put the, i put those waves 
in also. So like you put your headphones in and like, you're all like zend out, like if you want to practice along with Tiger's, uh, his routine. So there's, there's some cool stuff, you know, exactly like kind of what you're talking about with, uh, with music and sound waves and what it does to your brain to get you in that state, you know, when you're kind of in the zone and you're just like, everything's going right. And you're like, fuck, how'd I do that? Like, how do I find that again? So yeah, some cool stuff. Jake, welcome to the show. Uh, for some context, we, we want to dig into your background a little bit. Start with your hockey days. Hockey and days. Then, and then how you got to golf as a player and then as a teacher. Yeah. So my mom's side of the family is all from Northern Minnesota. So, uh, you know, that's what you do up there. My cousins played. So, I naturally, I wanted to be just like them. Um, and so just got into hockey, just did that. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the NHL. Um, and so there's, you know, decent enough hockey in the Bay area. Uh, I, you know, I, if I would have done it right, I would have left much earlier. Um, I don't think my parents were willing to do that, but my senior year, I, you know, I, I went out and, uh, essentially tried out for the, uh, for the Moorhead spuds. I was going to go do my senior year there in, in Minnesota and uh, had a spot for me, but parents would have had to put me up for adoption to do that, which I convinced them to do, but it just didn't end up working out. Um, so played my senior year in, uh, in the Bay and then left, played three years of junior hockey in the North American League after that, and then hung them up for like a year. Wasn't getting the offers that I wanted. I was just going to go do the school thing. And then kind of that year, I was just like, you know, I have to play hockey. I just have to do it. So made a few phone calls, ended up at Curry college, um, essentially ended up there. Uh, I flew out the, the, I think three days before school actually started. So I actually, or no, not three days. It was like that. It was like the day before school. So I like accepted like on the airplane or whatever, as I was flying there, it was a pretty <laughs> greasy situation. <laughs> ended up there, played there a uh, year and a half and transferred to Salve Regina little uh, Catholic school in Rhode Island and, and finished up there and just had an absolute blast. Um, so I graduated, I was 25. That's when I, uh, well, I should say in between. So in Rhode Island, um, that's kind of where I, I want to say where I fell in love with golf, but we had uh, all the guys would stay there during the summers and party in, in Newport. And we all worked at the, at, at a golf course, Newport national. And um you know, that's kind of, we'd all play, we'd play against each other. We just worked outside services, cleaning clubs and all that shit. And, uh, the, uh, the head pro there, big hockey guy, you know, we'd play in this, this awesome men's league. And so it was golf and hockey, uh, just, you know, all summer. Um, and kind of, he introduced to me what, cause I'd never seen a PGA pro who was like, I don't know, like someone who I like identified with. And so he kind of explained to me what that, that path looked like, what the PGA program looked like, what it is, how it works. So, um, that's, I, I started it right after, uh, I finished school, just went into the, did the PGA program, did my apprenticeship at Stanford, started teaching there. And, uh, and then that's kind of, yeah, that's, that was kind of how I, I got into golf and, um, just kind of through Stanford teaching classes there is getting better, getting, putting the reps in, obviously giving a ton of shitty lessons when you're first starting out, but learning and asking questions and, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the story. Sure. So it wasn't, the the pros on the range with the sweater vest, the pleated pants, and the saddle shoes that that got you inspired to be a professional. No, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I I was like this. So I mean, the guy, uh, the pro there, he just he had a really cool vision for kind of for the course. He got a job that uh, teaching job really young. I think he started. He got the head pro job when he was like twenty five, um, maybe younger. And you know, he just he kind of he let all of us be kind of who we were, like he, he wanted someone, the way he put it, he was like, I want someone that can 
that can tell, you know, someone coming off the course, cause you've got, you've got a lot of Bruins guys and hockey guys coming off the course, like where the closest strip club is, but also be able to talk to, you know, like an 80 year old man about like their, you know, their grandson's softball game. Right. So like early yeah. on, I think I was able to, I just, he was doing a little different. I thought that was super yeah. cool. And uh, you know, at the same time, like everyone, everyone loves golf. And I kind of saw that for the first time. I always so focused on hockey. I had nothing, you know, I had no idea what really what golf was, the culture behind it or anything. So, I mean, I was, I was a uh, just, yeah, I didn't really have any expectations. Um, yeah. And so that definitely kind of shaped me and kind of led me on the path to think I could do things a little different. And what a summer golf and hockey, just for context, Jake, Matt's from Chicago. I'm originally from St. Louis. So big Blackhawks versus blues guys here. Um, friendly Love rivalries it. over the Love years, it. but uh, no, it's interesting. Cause I don't know if you saw this meme on Instagram. We recently shared it this week from our guys at group chat golf memes, but there's this meme of there's two ways to guarantee that you're going to become a 30 year old golf, yep. golf addict, right? Play, Maybe they're going to play, play baseball <laughs> or you're going to play hockey. I, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with just the generic muscle memory, you know, of a hockey player versus a baseball swing. Um, but Maybe talk about the differences you see in the challenges of former baseball players getting into golf versus former hockey players getting into golf. Yeah. So I would say baseball players don't know how to close the face because they square the bat very different. So it's, oh, you know, there's, there's no, maybe that explains face. it for me. So there's very little, like you get low ground balls. If you supinate kind of that yeah. lead arm, right. And, and, and I guess, you know, close, close the face, so to speak, if there were a club face on the driver, uh, yeah, it would, you know, it would, it just doesn't make sense to the baseball player. So they're, they're coming in here, which is, it's going to just open the face, right? Yeah. Hockey players are kind of the opposite where you're hooding the, you're hooding the stick because you're flexing the stick, right? So your hands are way up here. So hockey players generally struggle with loft hitting really low shots. Um, both are able to obviously produce a shitload of power. They're both great movers um, depending on the position pitchers being the best because they know how to generate an insane amount of torque with their feet. And they're doing all of these amazing things without really knowing what's going on to throw that ball. You have to be torquing the ground and pushing into it. And then you give, you know, you give that same person a club, something they've been doing already uh, innately, they're already going to, the body's, you know, going to be doing just unbelievable things. And same thing with hockey. When you, um, you know, when you go to shoot, you have to, you have to be able to break on that lead side. Your, your body is torquing, your pelvis is open, your chest is open, you're leaning on it. Your arm, your forearms are strong. Your wrists are incredibly strong. So both are able to produce force, lots of force in different ways, but you know, it, it really, everyone's golf swing is a, is a product of how you've moved up until that point. And being a, my style of hockey, I, I wouldn't say I was, I learned the older I got, the more kind of finesse, the better of a mover I became. Um, but I wasn't a great mover kind of leading up into golf. And that definitely showed up in my golf swing, kind of looking back on it. And so I've really spent the last, I'd say seven, seven years, just learning how to move, um, lifting less weights, which I'm now really getting back into, um, as I'm kind of going after more speed, but yeah, I mean, it's just all about movement and what you've done up until that point. It's super interesting. Every sport has their own, uh, good, good things or bad things. So, yeah, that's, that's really interesting, Jake. And we'll probably get into it later because selfishly, I'd love for you to help me personally. Totally. We sent you the swings, but yeah. uh, um, it's funny how I thought you were going to say baseball players come over the top. Um, Cause in baseball, you know, dropping your hands is the worst thing you can do. You got to keep your hands up and drive down at the ball. Um, 
but it's interesting for you to say the face is open because with my driver, I've struggled with that for years now where when I go after it, you know, and I'm using my hands, probably it's, I'm actually probably closing it more than I need to, but that's what squares it up and I'll hit a great drive. But if I'm trying to like lay off and swing smooth, that face never closes. And I've just had a big block for, for two years. Yeah. So th that actually is, I've never heard someone say that. Um, so that actually is really interesting to hear. Cool. You're fixed. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to keep it simple. You keep it simple. <laughs> You'll have an invoice in the mail. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, Jake, I, I really enjoy watching your swing. And, you know, you were talking, we're talking here about baseball and hockey and, and location and being able to fire your body. But what I noticed about you is you really fire your head, a little early release. And it looks like DJ, it looks like Annika, it looks like Duvall in his prime. Um, and I think that's so important. I grew up playing and I played in college. So we're always trying to, to work on that. But how, so how do you ingrain that into your students? You know, because so often beginner players are taught to stay in their posture to keep that head still, yep. but they never learn how to fire. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would say, yeah, the, the neck thing that was, I never consciously thought about it ever, yeah. not once. It just happened as a result of trying to rotate um, my chest more, my pelvis more. Um, and so it's not something I'd ever teach someone actively to do, you know, may say, all right, explore this, try this, you know, try moving your head a little bit early, see what happens. Um, I'm trying to, you know, what happens for me is, is if I go too crazy with it, then I'll kind of, I'll come up and out of it a little bit and that can kind of produce blocks for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, of like firing the body, right. I mean, that means that's a, a, a I'd say a really something that people hear, uh, I'd say it's a little vague, like firing. It's like certain parts of the swing, you want to be torquing the ground. You want to be pushing into the ground. You want to be pushing vertically. Um, and all these things would be things that you'd train separately uh you know at first anytime you're learning something new you, you've got this you have to have this kind of conscious awareness of it and your performance will go straight down the gutter you'll hit the ball like shit as you do it more and more and more and you get more used to it eventually that becomes recallable um but like you know kind of going back to what you've done up until that point everyone kind of has their stock ability right like no matter how hard you try like you're going to you have your speed so to speak right? You can obviously increase that and you can increase things, but certain people can fire muscles faster than others. And that's going to lead to speed. You know, I get all these questions like, how can I, how can I swing faster? It's like, well, you're going to have to change your body. You're going to have to be able to input more force, you know, into the ground. You're going to have to do some, some lifting and, you know, have, have, have some guided workouts with someone who knows what they're doing. It's the, the equation is, yeah, it's incredibly complex. Um, when it all comes down to it, yeah, it's just so interesting because that, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a lookup move, we'll call it. I mean, you know, it's not maybe taught by everybody, but the, the greatest ball strikers of, <laughs> of eras had that same move. Yeah. And don't miss, I, 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 I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see you missing a lot left and, you know, tendency to miss it right. If you, like you said, if you come up out of it and that's just a way to have a consistent miss. And so, so just, you know, you know, curious. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, it's hard to say that the neck thing has anything to do with, I mean, with the shot itself, with the club face, it's, I think it's just, it's really great. Ro a lot of great ball strikers are great rotators. You get the chest open, you get the pelvis open. That helps with a number of things, club face stability. 
And so you're not going to see someone whose head is looking up towards a target and not be very rotated at impact, right? I would say that's that's the connection. That would be the benefit and kind of the the correlation between you know all those players, Anika DJ, um, and you're starting to see uh, Rondell Barrios. Like I don't know if you've you've seen his stuff, RDB. Um, swing tips. He's he, yeah. he's got a beautiful golf swing. His head is up even more than me, and like he actively um, like he likes to see the target, like before he hits, like on his, on the way down, like he's, he, he looks up at the target wow. midway through his downswing. So, you know, it sends the picture and, and help and like yeah. he, he stripes it. So it's, it's something to, to, to definitely to try and experiment with for sure. Yeah. So Jake, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the swing and coaching. We've, we've had so many coaches on this show over the years and through that, you know, we're privy to a lot of different insights, right? A lot of different philosophies. And so I, it's funny how I feel like I'm more knowledgeable about the swing than ever, but at times that can create issues for my personal game, right? Because I want to try everything that, you know, totally. that we, we hear. The one thing I'd love to dig in on for a second is I feel like there's two different types of coaches in regards to the, at least ones we've interviewed. One is they're totally against fixes, right? They're totally against uh, small tweaks and they're all about addressing the root cause. One example would be like, you know, shallowing. You could feel like your, your right elbow is coming down. Whereas coach one would say, well, there's a reason you're not shallowing. Let's find out what that reason is so that you can shallow out the club and rotate. The other I feel like is more small tweaks, smaller changes. Let's focus on one quick fix or feel and see what that does versus I think coach one, it feels like an overhaul. It feels like I'm trying to take an entirely new motion pattern to the course, right? Not to say one's better than the other. I'm just curious to hear which one you think you are, if not a combination and kind of your thoughts on the two philosophies. Yeah. I mean, it's a mode that's, that's one of the, I think one of the most fascinating questions and things to think about something that I'm always reading about and studying and asking questions about ultimately depends on what the student wants. I'd say the majority of golfers don't have the time uh, to, you know, to actually change a movement pattern because it involves years and thousands of hours of reps and practice. And it's not, you know, it's not all that fun. Well, I shouldn't say all that fun. I mean, I absolutely love it. It, it doesn't, you know, for a long time, the golf, the golf shots aren't very pretty. Um, but you know, if you, if you, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking to change a movement, right? Like that's the feedback's going to be the movement. It has to be. So go film yourself. Don't give a shit about the shots. Understand that if you go out and try and play while changing a movement, you know, it's, it's not going to be pretty and it, and it shouldn't be. Um, most golfers, you know, they, they want to go out and they want to play, you know, go, great golf on Saturday, which is totally fine. And so, you know, you get them in front of the track, man, kind of explain to them, okay, this is, this is when you don't think this is what's showing up, you know, your path is a little left, just make sure that your club face, you know, stays, you know, st is here, you know, let's say if they're swinging five degrees left, let's make sure that your club face is two and a half degrees open. What does that feel like? How do I do that? Maybe you need to change your grip a little bit, just making educated decisions on, um, on what their pattern already is, because most golfers are a lot more consistent than they think. Um, it's, it's just a matter of controlling, you know, one of the variables, it doesn't need to be four of them, just, just one. Um, and then, you know, they can go out and, and play a little bit better. So I'd say, yeah, it just all depends on what the student is, is looking for, how much time they have and what they're willing to put in. Jake, for, for, I got to jump in here for our listeners. 
help us understand what you mean by most golfers are more consistent than they think. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you were to, one thing I do, uh, I'll, you know, I'll film, let's say five swings. Right. And I'll ask, you know, I'll kind of play them back and forth and, and like, I'll say, you know, which swing was, which swing they'll say, okay, I'm going to try this new move. Right. And, you know, I'll film the swing and I'll, I'll say, which swing, which swing was, which was it the one and, and they look exactly the same, like the movement, well, the down do swing, like, Jake, right. <laughs> do you like this one better? Or do you like this one? Right. 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 So, I mean, <laughs> it's just when, when the intent is to hit a good shot, when the intent is for the, you know, the outcome of the shot to be good. Um, you're just the, everyone's movement is it's they're, they're, they're like, you're seeing the same thing show up just about every time. And you show people that and they're like, Oh, wow. Like I am actually doing kind of the same movement every time. Just close the face a little bit more and, you know, and, and you're off to the races. So. Hmm. Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting, Jake, you talked about in another interview, the, the power of filming your swing, but more importantly, doing it on the course. Right. And I thought this was really interesting because, you know, Matt and I, sometimes we banter back and forth. I think Matt doesn't like filming a swing as much. I kind of love understanding because I'm trying to fix something. I'm, you know, Matt's a much better player than me. He's been playing his whole life scratch player. I'm a seven. And so I'm trying to like understand how to get better and change things. Right. And yeah. so feel and real is very different for me as it is for most players. And so I look at video a lot and you made a good point. I've gotten, you know, every now and then you have a friend while you're playing say, Hey, shoot this video for me while we're playing. And yeah, you're like, Whoa, that is not what I look like on the range. Yep. Right? So maybe talk about the importance of filming on the course too, if you're going to film it on the range. Well, I would say it, it's, it's both important and and also detrimental. So if you're a better player, the last thing you want to see is your golf swing on the course. You've already figured it out, right? Like you, you yeah. have, you're happy with the way you're hitting it. You've obviously played really consistent golf. You don't want to fuck with that. Right. So that golfer is, is, is going to, is, is not going to benefit from seeing if, in fact, I mean, it would probably probably look at it and say, you know, Oh, maybe I need to do this, this, that. And then you go down that rabbit hole and suck. And then, so for, again, it, it's kind of, my intent, my goal was always to change a movement pattern. I didn't give a shit about my score. I was assuming I was going to come out on the other side, you know, with a new movement. And I didn't know, like, I, like, you know, it took me about seven years for like that swing to start kind of showing up. Um, and this was also, I mean, me having absolutely no idea what I was doing when I was starting with just lots of research and trying this and that. And um, I mean, it, it really, it took me, I want to say like two years before I started like literally filming every swing, you know, you think about it and you read about it and you're like, I'm going to go out and try this. And, uh, it took me a little bit to realize like, wow, I'm not doing what I'm thinking. What I'm, th I'm not even close to doing what I think I'm doing. Um, and this, you know, this is just on a, you know, on a range with a mat. Um, and the more I started filming myself, the kind of the faster I started to like, like filming every swing and looking at every swing saying, I, I know, I, I know what I want to see now. Like, I just, you know, I need to just exaggerate more of this or try more of that. And, um, and so again, if you, there's never a guarantee that changing a movement is, is going to make you play better golf, better golf is with a lot of my students, I use this, this program called game forge and, and what it does, it's a way to track stats and just to kind of set some benchmarks for, for how to get to the next level. So if you're an eight handicap, it goes, uh, you know, how many fairways are you hitting? It goes into, um, you know, kind of all the basic stats, but then how often are you getting it to within certain ranges on the green? It shows you where you're at and then where you need to be if you want to consistently shoot a better score. 
oftentimes, you know, that's all it takes. You can just show someone the numbers. This is like, you're an eight. This is how you get to a seven. Kind of, you know, one of this, you need this. And then you you look at the graph essentially, and it tells you where, where you can gain strokes the fastest. And most of the time that's chipping the ball to within six feet and getting it uh, up and down more. So like you, you tell someone that like simply go out and practice getting up and down 50% of the time inside 40 yards, just dump a thousand balls every day. And you're going to like your strokes are, you're going to play better golf immediately without a single. So you can, there's a lot of ways you can find strokes. And, and a lot of times for players, that's not in their long game. So we don't mess with their full swing. They, they, they get their short game numbers where they need to. And then, you know, they get down to that next level. And then maybe to get down to a, you know, a, a four that's like, all right, let's, you know, let's work on hitting your three wood a little bit higher so that you can get to within 40 yards on par fives that your percent goes up to, you know, get up and down. There's, so I, I, I use stats with, with everyone who's, you know, who's willing to, to put in the, the numbers, which, you know, takes under a minute. And then you get the full picture. Then you have the full product of, uh, you know, quantifying where you're at, um, and you know, you've got the, the, the track man information or whatever it is, and you're really, really able to help someone out. Cause it's, you know, getting better at golf. Isn't just an hour lesson once a week. That doesn't do shit. You got to have a whole lot more than that. And you got to have a way to track. And I mean, any business, right. You've got to, you keep your financials and you have your spreadsheets and golf. I, I don't know why it would be any different. Like you want to tell people and show people like you have actually gotten better. This is where you were at last year. Here are some months and you could look at trends, right? You like when you're take notes and say, okay, I was working on this and holy shit, my scores went down. And then I stopped thinking about that and your scores went up and you can you kind of always get back on track and kind of figure out where you need to go. So it really, it, it just all depends. Yeah. Jake, it's, yeah, it's interesting to kind of talk about like essentially it's playing lessons, right? You're on the course and if you got the video out and filming the swing or not, you know, for me and my experiences, I always had great experiences with playing lessons, going out on the course with my coach. But for me, it was, you're right. I wouldn't want to see my, I wouldn't want my film, my video swing, excuse me, my swing video, but I'd say, can you look at my alignment? Because in the first hole, water left, right? I don't like it, you know, and I want to, you know, and I'm a drawer for, if I, well, I was a drawer then, my alignment would shift, right? Sure. Because of my mind. So it was kind of, it was always, it was always an exercise around what's my alignment? Am I walking faster? Am I breathing heavier? Am I rushing my routine? Yeah. And, but, but, so wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know you work with good players, but that was um, something. Oh, that, a, absolutely. I mean, that's that's so cool that you mentioned that. Um, ha, like that second set of eyes that that know that knows you as a player, like you know, can just can spot something like that. And oftentimes it is something just as simple as alignment, right? And everyone's alignment gets off. Jack talk. Jack Nicholas, you know, he, in his book, he famously talks about it, and um, and you know, sometimes all you need is just say you're aimed too far left. And in your head, you're saying seriously. And that, right. And then, you know, still too far left, still too far. And then, you know, then you look down, you're saying, I feel like I'm aimed 8,000 yards, right. Trust it, commit to it, hit a shot. And then your eyes are kind of like, you know, it's like, uh, setting the, uh, like, if, I don't know if you're, if you're shooting a gun, right. It's like, I don't know what you, what you call it, but you're just like fine tuning that until the target looks right. And then it's like, all right, it's go time. Now I can go out and play. I can trust my alignment. I don't need to think about shit. Go out and hit shots knowing that something so many times alignment is, is the issue, right? There, right you're, just, you're ripping it on the range. There's no trouble on the range. You go to the course, you see trouble. You don't trust it. You start to manipulate. Your alignment gets off. Let's talk about that for a second, Jake. Cause I've found that, you know, Matt and I, 
we've talked about it before on the show, but to give you context, I had a member guest two years ago in St. Louis with our mutual best friend, took a train up to Chicago to get short game. Matt's an amazing short game player. And he took me out to Harborside in Chicago. And I will never forget Matt at the range, you know, week before my member guest is like, dude, you're, you're aimed like 20 yards, right. You know, or, or left or whichever way it was. Mm -hmm. And that can really mess you up. Cause now it's really hard to commit, but I want to talk about the range. And if you're alone, how you eat, cause look, I put down alignment sticks and sometimes even putting down an alignment stick, I'm like looking at it and I'm like, I think, I think that's right, but I'm not quite sure. Right. And so maybe help some of our, our listeners that are 15 plus handicaps or even less fives understand maybe a good way to check your alignment. Cause sometimes it's not a direct line you know sometimes it's easy to even when putting down an alignment stick to not fully understand where you're aimed yeah i mean i would say you know alignment is different for every player you look at guys on tour some aim left some aim right some play pulls some play push fades some play you know kind of borderline hooks right and so it's it's <clears throat> i'm lucky enough to you know i teach with track band and so it's understanding getting a student to understand like what their alignment needs to be for whatever pattern they want right so mm -hmm. if they want to if you've got an older player who can't externally rotate that trail arm but wants to hit a draw you just get a maiming right and trying to hit a big hook right doesn't end up actually happening they end up usually getting a pretty functional pattern ball position has to be a little back to make sure that you're not you know, hitting fat shots. And, and there's that, you know, there's a really simple little setup and that's their fundamental, right? That's, that's their alignment. Aiming at the target for most golfers, you know, probably isn't going to produce a, a great shot, right? Everyone, you know, the, the, the feet to the target, shoulders to the target, like, sure, if you can get your, you know, if your swing direction is <clears throat> in swing direction, you know, kind of a fancy word for, you know, swing plane, when you see the club coming over or under, if you can, if you can get the club, you know, to swinging on a reasonable plane from that, then great. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's understanding. We know it makes the ball curve now. Right. And so it, it's all dependent on the student. So I'd say, you know, make sure that if you're out there, you understand your pattern. If what I'm saying is foreign, then, you know, make go get a lesson and ask, ask, start asking some questions and, you know, have a ball flight. Do you want it to curve a little right to left? Do you like feeling the face a little bit more open? Do you like seeing the ball curve a little left to right? Are your, you know, are your wrist conditions matching your release pattern? And, and uh, so it, it's just, yeah, it's all dependent on the student, on the pattern, on the, you know, but I guess for traditional alignment, if that's what you're going for, you know, just stick a stick in the ground and point it at a target halfway between your feet and the ball. And, uh, you know, again, film yourself because you might stand up. I mean, I know for me, what looks parallel when I look down at my feet is right, always. So mm. some, like I eat, you know, I'll, I'll be hitting balls in the range and, uh, or in my backyard and I'll throw the video camera up there just to check. Cause sometimes like, you know, I'll get it wrong. The eyes are weird. Eyes are always lying <laughs> yeah. to you. Well, yeah. And it gets worse on the course. <laughs> exactly. Once, once exactly. So Jake, I'm a big fan of light bulb moments. Uh, and you talked about how a lot of people have a light bulb turns on when you tell them that you can hit a straight ball three different ways, can you elaborate on that? I think our listeners would love hearing this. A yeah, lot so of people I mean, think it's just straight face. Boom. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, with the driver, there's gear effect. All that means is that the face is concave on a driver. So uh, hitting a heel shot versus a toe shot, it just does some weird things with the spin axis of the ball. 
but another word uh, to for go off on a stupid tangent there. Yeah, you can you can hit a, a straight shot three different ways with a driver uh, due to that gear effect. So a heel shot. If you hit the heel with a straight face, it's you know let's assume that we have a, a neutral path for all the TrackMan nerds out there. Uh, with, with a you know square just square face heel contact ball is gonna it's gonna curve to the right. Square face toe contact ball is gonna curve to the left, and then square face square contact ball is gonna go straight. So if you return the club face driver a little bit closed with heel contact, you know, ball's going to go straight a little bit open with the club face off the toe ball's going to go straight square face, square contact ball's going to go straight. So, hmm. you know, a lot of times you hit that, that shot with a driver uh, that just feels kind of wonky, whether it's off the toe or the heel. Uh, obviously the toe shot's going to be a little bit lower spinning. It's going to kind of have a little bit more of that duck hook look, but it, you know, still ends up in the fairway, right? And you're like, I eh, didn't feel quite right, but you know, ended up great miss, right? Most people don't know what the hell happened. They just know it didn't feel great, but it ended up like, okay, you know, fine. So like I, I've always been a shut face player, uh, maybe due to my hockey background. So I've always been fighting that super shut face. And so I essentially probably for the first, I don't know, I first 15 years of me playing golf, I probably hit every drive slightly off the heel to accommodate for that shut face without really knowing it. And then I started spray painting my club face. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I literally have to try to miss the ball to hit the middle. Um, and, and then, you know, everything started hooking. I started hitting the middle and the ball started hooking. Right. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? Um, and so like, you know, players that slice, like, you know, a lot of times I'm just like, you're slicing your driver, like try and hit the toe. Like you just okay, like slice, 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 slice. Then they'll actually hit the toe and the ball will actually go straight. It's like, all right, like, here's your tip of the day. Literally try and hit the toe all day. You don't even have to worry about squaring the face. Like you get some kind of, you know, some low spin dusty shot, but it'll be functional. You'll actually be able to go out and play and have some fun and get some distance. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, a, am I'm, I'm not going to ever tell someone to purposely hit it off the heel I, or try and make heel contact generally just, you know, that doesn't produce a great result, but, you know, getting a little bit out towards the toe generally, uh, can actually be, you know, actually missing the middle of the face, which sounds ridiculous can actually help a golfer. Like if that's kind of a last minute tip thing. Um, and so, yeah, gear effect with the driver. It's cool. Well, it gets, it's something we've talked about is, is club face awareness, Jake. And, you know, there's the, the, the old term of swing the club at, right. Feel the club at, mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, it's huge, especially when you're under the gun, especially when you're in tough conditions, but, what is club face awareness to you? How do you, how do you teach that? Because like, it's, it's kind of what you're talking about here, but how do you, how, what's that light bulb moment for a student that like, if whether you say feel the club at or, or you teach it differently? Yeah, I mean, well, I, you know, let's say we're, we're, we're on the track, man, and we're seeing someone swinging a little bit left. Uh, and that, you know, their face is wide open. There's a number to that. that that's why I love, uh, you know, we teach with, we got screens right in front of us. So the feedback is immediate. All the numbers right. are there. And so you can quantify everything and turn that into a feel, right? So it's like, okay, so here are the number and, and whether the numbers are, are, are irrelevant, like some, I don't even use for some students, I, you know, I, I'll simplify a number. I'll like, or they'll have a word for the number, you know, it totally depends. Um, but it's just, okay. It's like, all right, so here, here's your path. Here's your, your swing path. Here's kind of your, your swing direction. This is your club base. Your face is, you know, eight degrees open. I need to get that eight to, you'll say a negative, you know, a negative one and a half. They make a swing and another number shows up and then you say, okay, all right, well, that was good. That was close, but we need more of, you know, in for, for closing the club face, you know, club face awareness, 
a lot of it is, you know, it's in the hand, it's understanding what, you know, some flexion, extension, yeah. uh, but to, to simplify, I just say, close it more or close it less. Like just, yeah. you know, here you're holding an object. It's pretty simple here. This is how you twist it. Just do that earlier, do it more. And you just play around with things until something sticks. You know, you don't, you never really know yeah. with, with, with everyone, what, what that kind of that cue is going to be, but you start to see the number change, get a little bit more closed or open or whatever they need. And once they get it, it's like, all right, there it is. What did that feel like? All right, cool. Now try and do it again. And they do another rep. Oftentimes, you know, maybe, maybe it's another good one. Great. Keep going, keep going. If they kind of go back and do something goofy, it's like, all right, now like they can figure it out. They kind of have that feel. They can go out on the range, practice it. They know why the ball is doing what it's doing. Um, you know, I like educating all my students on, on what all the misses are. So I'm always playing around with path and exaggerating and saying, you know, try and give me 13 degrees into out. Give me 13 degrees out to in. Can you do that? Can you do that? You know, what are different ways to do that? You know, okay, I can shift my alignment a little bit more right. I can shift my alignment left. Um, and that, you know, it's like, you need to hit a shot around a tree, bam, now you know how to do it. You got a feel for it. every student's different, but it's uh, it's pretty simple. You know, once you once you see some of your numbers and have someone that's that's good at kind of simplifying it, understanding your pattern is like, you know, it takes 10 minutes to really understand what you do without thinking. And unless you're, you know, unless your path is like, I don't, you know, 15 degrees and out, like you, you can play some really good golf with some goofy patterns. You just have to be willing sure. to make sure you're aiming in the right place. And then that's kind of, you know, going back when it's helpful to have, you know, the coach watch you to say, it's like, okay, like this is where you need to be aiming for your pattern, like getting out there. That's, and that's also, you know, that's where that's when it's really fun to navigating, actually seeing the shot show up and like, holy shit, this actually makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. that's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it because that's the difference too in the modern era with technology like we're you're talking about club face awareness and you see the numbers every shot right growing up playing it was like always doing like extremes right like well, you got to do the extreme feel but you didn't we didn't have the numbers in front of us right, right? so it's like well that's not enough okay <laughs> feel this and like that's what we always did but such a game changer because i asked you this and evan talks about this a lot is club face awareness is tricky and those numbers guiding the student okay right i'm getting there <laughs> you know, yeah as opposed to you just telling them like well that's great or that's not enough what do you like it's interesting it's cool yeah i i think the old school guys too i mean they knew exactly what they were talking about and you yeah. know they um they had it completely right and it doesn't need to be any more complicated than close the face more close it less do more of this exaggerate more until you see that ball do what you want it to do when it sounds right i mean you can hear a good shot um, I don't know if it was in the, the, the Butch Harmon book. And, but I mean, I, you know, I've noticed this as I've given more and more lessons and I've been around more golf shots, like you can hear the sound, like, you know, I can, you know, I can turn around and, and tell if it's a groove low or if it's, uh, you know, or if it's a little chunky, like every, uh, and I don't know if that's, that's because of my music background, but like the sound of impact tells me so much. And like, everyone's a little different. You can kind of like, here's certain nuances with different clubs. And sometimes it just like sounds kind of funky and you're, trying to figure out kind of what to tell them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Being able to quantify, it just makes life easy. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, you've talked about closing the face a little bit more open. And I feel like sometimes we're told like, we're not supposed to use our hands, right? Like, it's funny looking back, Jake on the, when I hit the best shots in the driver, I, envisioned that I was trying to hit the outside right of the ball with my driver. And I, that just probably helped me close the face, 
when I'm trying to rotate faces open, right? So I guess something maybe some people are wondering is, how do you figure out what's worth changing and what is worth keeping? That's a great question. Um, it, again, it all depends on the student. It, there's just, you have to ask questions. You got to, you know, how, how, how much time do you have? How, what do you want the ball to do? What do you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really what I kind of boil it down to is, you know, your body is there's, there's certain movements that it can do to, to alter the low point of the swing. If you're getting too much pressure, right. Or too much mass, right. If you're tilting too far to the right in your backswing, it's okay. This is, this is good. You're going to hit fat shots. So, you know, feel a little bit more of this. It, it just, it just depends. There's no, um, there's no, uh, I would say the goal as a coach is always to, instead of to add more to take away, you know, not instead of give more information, it's, 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 it's more to take away and, and to simplify. But again, it's just, it's too, I'd say it's too complex of, of, a. I want to give you a better answer, but it's just, it's just too complex. Well, maybe what, Real quick, sir, before you ask your question, um, what I think is important, Jake, that you touched on that really struck me is we've all been in the golf lesson where, okay, take a few swings, let's see what you got. And then boom, already lines, here's what you're doing wrong, let's start doing this. Whereas I don't, at least, I've gotten many golf lessons from many different types of teachers. Um, I've seen Gankus a few times up in LA and you know, I will say, I don't think I've really dug deep on what my pattern is enough. Like to me, you know, I feel like I'm, I've always been a pretty good athlete, right? And I've gotten down to a five, um, shooting 70s consistently. But if I knew my pattern, I feel like that would give me a lot of confidence and freedom, just like in the mental game, like, okay, that's a mental pattern. That's not me. That's just my pattern. So how don't I take a step back and choose a thought or a perspective or a focus that serves me better? I feel like that same thing could happen with the swing, but I don't think enough people know their patterns. Yeah. I mean, so, so have you like, have you gotten on track man before? Do you know where your club path is? Could I, you know, you could ask what your ball flight is as well. Um, that, that gives us some information, but you know, like if you were to just go and take, you know, say 10 swings, what would show up? You, you definitely see a pattern. You'd see your path pretty consistent. You know, as you get up in, you know, in the 15, 10, 15 handicap range, you start to see a little bit more uh, variation in the numbers. But for the most part, you hit 10 swings, you're going to notice your path is on, you know, po either positive or negative pretty consistently. Your club face is going to likely be either more on the open side or closed side. And you'll, you'll see a pattern pop right up. Um, and so, so if I were to, so in your case, what, what would you, what's your ball do? Are you playing a fade? Are you playing a draw? Does it go pretty straight? Um, well, the problem is it's been kind of a two-way miss for a little while, but I'd say, um, with my irons, it's usually pretty straight, maybe a little bit of a draw, um, where my woods, uh, big blocks and hooks. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, granted you guys, I guess I, you both sent me your swings. I mean, one of the things is, and this is typical with, with better players is just to get a little bit kind of dumped under or tilted to the right early, which shifts your path into out. And what happens there is you kind of get that feeling like you got to square the face up at the last minute. And, you know, if you don't, you get the big blocks. And so, you know, for those players, and, and I'm one of those players too, just going out a really simple drill is to go out and try and hit big pull cuts, kind of like what you were trying, like what you were saying, trying to hit the outside of the ball. To me, that's, that's more of a path thought that would get your path more left and your left shoulder, uh, 
would prevent it from, you know, coming up early. And when you come up early, then it's hard to rotate. And that's when your path gets really into out. The more into out, generally your low point will move further behind the ball. So you can have some fat shots, issues with your shorter irons. Um, you know, you can kind of get away with it with a driver as it's more of a sweepy feel or a sweepy you know impact. Um, but that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I saw in, uh, in, in your swing when I, when I sent, uh, when you sent it. So, um, yeah, like, that would be, you know, with your driver again, I'd say, all right, go out and try and hit some pull cuts. That intent would likely hit a pretty straight shot and would definitely get your path less into out. Right. Yeah. Um, might experiment, you know, say like try, try and swing over the top as much as you can. And that, you know, that may produce a, uh, a pretty darn neutral path. And you say, holy shit, like that, that I can't, well, there's your feel. You go play around with that simple, right? You have your rehearsal swings like tiger. He gets dumped under, he hits the same thing what do his practice swings look like? You're seeing Spieth do it and he's playing some really good golf, literally just swinging his hard left, hard over the top. Obviously it doesn't happen, um, but it prevents him from, you know, from getting stuck or too dumped under. Um, and and, and Jake, the way I'm kind of interpreting this, it's you're experimenting with shapes, right? And it's still able to go out and play, right? You're with, with you know, you're finding a feel to, to, to move the golf ball in a better direction as opposing to try to break things down completely and, you know, not go out and play. Right? Totally. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, most students come in and they've got 18,000 questions. And a lot of time, kind of the way I like to start a lesson, just say, make the club swoosh, just, you know, throw it over your right shoulder. Like, like you said, feel the club head, like just like you're hard to say, throw the club down the field, whatever, like, and everyone puts on a, you know, has good rhythm and everything's kind of where it needs to be is all right. So whatever that was now step up to the ball and do the same thing, right? They hit, you know, they go on and I'll use the foot spray, spray the face, you know, so that they get a couple ones in the middle. It's like, all right, well, let's see what shows up. It's like, there's your pattern right there. When you don't think about shit, your path is here. Your face is there. All you need to do is try and close the face more and they do it. And the ball goes dead straight and they go, really, that's it. It's like, if you want to go like, that's all that you need to be thinking about to get the ball, you know, to go straight. Now, obviously if someone's body and their joints are all over the place, we definitely might work on that uh, as they're not going to be able to hit the ball anyways. So um, getting their body in a bit of a different position, you know, is going to help, you know, their low point, it'll help them deloft their irons a bit more and compress the ball a little bit more. So yeah. hey, what I, what I think is important here, Jake, because I, you know, personally, I struggle with this too. And then there's a mental side to this as well as physical, but I think it's easy to see yourself and your swing as flawed. And oh, so yeah. you go to the course and you know, like I've heard so many times, I've had coaches tell me the club is swinging you, right? You're all arms and hands. We need to quiet. You need to feel like you're not using your arms at all. And for a baseball player, that's really hard to hear. Cause now I don't feel like I'm an athlete, right? I feel like, I don't even know how to do that. Um, and so what happens is you hear something like that and you guys are right. I have a round on Saturday. I either go and play my round trying to do my old thing, which feels flawed and inconsistent because I've gone from shooting a 75 to a 90 in the span of two weeks based on how my rhythm is. And then on the other hand, if I try and do this new motor pattern, which is virtually impossible to do something that drastic in a week or a couple of days, then I'm hitting, I can't even hit the ball. I'm hitting terrible shots, right? So I think there's a lesson here of there really is no 
perfect way to do it. Obviously, there's more consistent patterns. And to your point, Jake, if you have more time, you can maybe focus more on using the body and rotating. But from what I'm hearing, like, know your pattern, understand what is the quickest way to get me to play consistent shots and go with that and stop thinking that it's flawed that you might be coming over the top a little bit and play good golf. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, first off, I would say, you know, in a perfect world, you are, you're inputting your scores, right? So like I yep. get you as a, let's say a student or it's like, before I give you any tips, I like to, I like to have you enter 10 scores just to see what the heck's going on. You know, it's all right. So your job is to literally just go out, play 10 rounds of golf and don't think about a single thing. Let's see what shows up on the scorecard. Right. And then from there you have your baseline and it's like, okay, now I can give you some educated, uh, you know, here's your game. And, and that's as opposed to just like, all right, let's start changing shit right now. Uh, and you can kind of work backwards from there. And then, you know, consistency shooting, a shooting a seven, a 75 and then a 90, you, you can expect kind of a 15 stroke swing at any given time. And that's within that standard deviation. That's not an outlier. So it's like everyone shoot, you know, they, you shoot a really good score. Then you shoot a really shitty score. Unfortunately, it's like, that's golf. You can wipe yeah. that one out and just go on and just, you know, show up the next day. And you really don't know what's going to show up. Obviously, as you, you know, world-class golfers are, you know, they're playing more consistent golf, but you're, um, but they're still shooting, you know, you still see a 74 then a 68 and it's like, they're, they're not freaking out. And but most golfers are like, Oh, I need to, you know, I just 15 shots worse. I need to change my swing. But like, kind of like you were saying also is, is when you show up to the course and you think you're doing something different, you're not, it's the same old swing. You just have this other thought in there that you think you're doing, which you're not. Again, you can always check with the video camera, but I can pretty much guarantee you that that's not happening. If you're missing the ball, then you're probably doing this new move. If you're hitting shots, then you're probably doing the same old move. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, it just, it's like, it goes back to the question is what are you trying to do? And if you, you can't try and change a movement and score, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, unless you've been working on it for, you know, say a year, then you can start to expect some things after you've, you've put in that time. Yeah. Jake, we, uh, we just got a few more questions for you and then we'll get you out of here. But I think we can talk about this 75 to 90 gap a little bit, because I loved what you were saying about the game forge system. Yep. Right. And that's about course management and that's about understanding where you can actually save shots. And let's yep. be honest, that's around the greens, right? Or that's huh. when you block it into the trees and think about making bogey because doubles yep. ruin lives. <laughs> ruin lives. They, they ruin, absolutely they destroy ruin, lives. <laughs> they ruin mindsets for elite players, for good players, average players, and beginner players. So, right, how do you how do you approach that with your players? Like, you know, whether it's chipping or pitching, learning how to pitch it low, like you said, learning how to pitch it six feet away. But talk about that because eliminating those three doubles or one double instead of four, you just shot 82 instead of 88. And it's it's decisions around the greens or in the trees. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's, uh, I'm looking here at the, uh, at the game forge stats here. Um, the, so you're asking, ask the question again, you're asking how does, how to stop the, how do you get your players to think about, you know, that bogey's okay. <laughs> you know, like, because, right. Because the, it's the doubles, whether it's too aggressive or just the being right. Played. Yeah, totally. I mean, how I, do you communicate that? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it depends on, on, on the player. So like, 
eliminating big scores. Like when you're in that 10, 15 handicap area, like eliminating the big scores, the like making birdies and pars is not going to happen often. So don't even try, you know, so the game plan for a given player, maybe it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to develop a driver shot for you. Some, you know, that like it, where you're not going to lose any balls. Right. And for every player, that'll be different. You know, if someone is, mm. is swinging way to the left and they, you know, they're having a, they have to play this week. It's like, all right, we're going to tee your ball down. If you can go find a driver with a little bit more loft, maybe go try and do that a little, you know, and, and every fix is different. And it's like, okay, so maybe we're going to, we're going to try and you're going to tee the ball low. You're going to swing step. You're going to choke down a little bit, swing 75%. And your only goal here is to hit, you know, this many fairways or whatever it is, whatever number we decide to kind of attack that we think is going to prevent, uh, you know, that double, those, those big scores, the triples and the doubles. Right. So that's great. Yeah. It also, it also may be developing a shot around the green where it's like, all right, I call it the dusty bump and run where you take out your hybrid, right? It's like your, your lob wedge, like you're, you're leaving it at home today. You're not hitting it. You're not allowed to hit it. Chip, right. <laughs> right. You're hitting everything with the hybrid. And you, you know, you may see it's like, holy shit, my scrambling, uh, you know, on this round was way up and I hit this many more fairways and holy shit, I just shot, you know, and that, that was the key to them shooting the best round they've ever had. Right. It had nothing to do with, you know, uh, any swing change, it would, you know, it may be ball position. Like, Oh, you've had your ball too far for like those minor little tweaks, as long as it makes sense for the pattern. And if you have a good idea and a good understanding of, you know, low point and where the person's angle of attack is and where their path is and all those things, you can make some really, really good decisions, some really simple ones that are, that, you know, that you can quantify, like, this is the right decision for your game. Um, let's see you go execute it. Now that execution comes down to the player and their ability. Uh, but you know, now they have their team, their they're driving it. They're doing a little bit. They have a plan for the driver. They've got a plan around the greens. Um, and that, yeah, that can be a, a complete game changer for someone. They may go out and have fun playing. You know, they may never come back. Shit. They may have so much fun playing. Right. They, 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 they've, they've got their, their plan and they're ready to rip. Yeah, it's so well, crazy. At home, you know? It's so crazy how impactful having a plan is. Right. Cause like going back to my short game session with Cermak here, what he said to me that day was so freeing. He said, your lie dictates the shot, right? So if you got a good lie around the greens, it's a little sweep, right? Talk about club selection, lowering your, your miss potential, take a, you know, a pitching wedge or a nine, just sweep, right? If it's not a good lie, you gouge it, right? You hit down on it a little bit. And it's, it's a really funny how freeing that can be on the course because now you're thinking less about technique and motion patterns and you're thinking more about all right what do i have what is this shot giving me now you're playing golf right i think that's a lot of what you're saying jake is like give people information on what their patterns are and arm them with the tools to go play the game totally yeah if, if you know again it all depends like let's say you know on i guess to the technique argument right it's like if you let's say you're trying to get to the next level and you you know, all your numbers are kind of where they need to be, but your, you know, your scrambling is still a little low. They may need to, to start playing around with adding, you know, learning how to use the bounce a little bit more, learning how to get a little handsier, adding a little bit more speed, getting, being able to get a little bit more spin around the green. Like, you know, you see guys on the tour are, you know, they're practicing their spinning the ball from 40 yards with their lob wedge swinging full speed. That's, you know, because the pins are, you know, are always tucked. And they have to be able to get up and down from these insane positions, you know, so that they can, you know, put food on the table. So it's like, as you're, as you get better, your skill level gets better as 
uh, you know, you're playing harder courses, the shots that you have to have in the bag, your technique obviously has to, has to get better and improve to, to hit some of these incredible shots around the green. Um, and so it, it, it all depends too on what you're looking for. Cause there's, if you only have a, you know, so many shots in the bag and you're, you're missing that big high flop, like you're, you're at a disadvantage. You may need to go out and think about technique for, you know, and, and add that shot, um, in the bag. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, let's end on this, Jake. You're looking at the camera. You're looking at all the par train followers on Instagram. God bless them. And you're, if you could think of one thing that most amateurs do wrong or could do better, what, what, what do you see the most? I, I club face and contact, just, you know, club being able to close the face, being able to, open the face on purpose, you know, hit a slice, hit a draw, um, and then hitting the middle of the face. And I'd say being able to not only just hit the middle, but try and hit the toe, try and hit the heel. Right. So like if that. you can, if you can kind of just go out and, you know, I'd say grab, grab some foot spray, go to CVS, Safeway, wherever, take your driver out and just start messing around with hitting the club face in different places. All right, I'm gonna hit the toe. I'm gonna hit the heel. I'm gonna try and hit high in the face. I'm gonna try and hit low in the face. You'll, you, you'll already be kind of making swing changes without knowing it you'll and you may even find hey holy shit i just tried to hit the toe eight times and i hit the middle holy shit i'm gonna go play golf now right and right same up. thing I, I just tried to hit four hooks in a row i just tried to close the club face as much as i could and the ball went dead straight what like holy shit what's going on right i need to try and close the face and hit the toe to get the ball to go straight obviously that's not happening but you know the way the club feels in your hand and the way a comfortable swing feels for a lot of golfers does not produce a straight shot. So you got to go out and exaggerate something more. Usually that's closing the face more or less, or trying to hit the toe or the heel to get that center face contact. And just with, you know, with, with a couple simple changes in intent, you'll start to see the ball do something different. And have some fun with it. Right, Jake? Exactly. Don't people are so terrified to like mess around with things. They're like, yeah. Oh, it's going to ruin my swing. It's like, no, it's not. Your swing is not going to change no matter how hard you try. It's still going to yeah. be the same. It's going to be the same thing. Right. So uh, yeah, pl play around more, go, you know, experiment, drop, drop 40 balls, you know, around the green and just pretend you're a seven-year-old and mess around and hit some high, hit some low, watch what the ball does. And uh have more fun with it because that's that's what the best players do the best players play around they play and figure stuff out without without necessarily being told you know what to do so there, there's an unlimited amount of different ways to do it don't be afraid to go out and play around and figure out your own way love it love it well if you guys aren't following jake on instagram it's jake hut two t's uh golf awesome follow you're one of my favorites out there so keep doing appreciate what you're it. doing appreciate um, the love any other place you want to send people just jay cut golf that's pretty much uh that's it well i guess there's there's drive box too is a uh that's a company that i uh that i'm starting um d-r-y-v-e-b-o-x it's a portable uh portable simulator got gc quad um putting force plates in track man uh i've got this couple screens um and uh and so I've, I've got some content on there. I'm kind of working on, you know, turning that into something. So check that out, drivebox.com. Uh, and then, yeah, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, jkickgolf.com. Awesome. Love it. All there. Killer. Love it. Thanks, Thanks for coming so on, much Jake. for coming on, Jake. Absolutely. It was a blast. Great conversation. Take care, my man. Appreciate yeah. it.